When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Scott, how good are your drift, drift line boardies? You know what? It's funny you say that. When we were out surfing today, I was thinking about, because I have a little chafing on my knee from um, the deck pad on my board. And I was thinking, you know what? I haven't noticed at all is any chafing on my legs. And that's because of my drifties. My drift line boardies are the best ever. They're 0.5, half a millimeter lined wetsuit board shorts. Um tons of function, tons of fashion. It's the best of both worlds. Wonderful board shorts with comfort and compression. And David, tell me about your experience with your drift line drifties. That's the exact same thing. I had that experience um, when I was in Mexico using them. The compression wetsuit stays in place. Like normally if you're sitting on a surfboard, your surfboards ride up and you will get like that chafing on your thighs from wax or whatever. And yeah, with the compression short, it just stays in place. So I'm a huge fan. There's nothing, I can't imagine a detail that I would change to improve them. They're the perfect board short. You know what? Mine's got a little zipper as does yours where I put my lips stuff for the wind and I put my sunscreen and, um, I've found the ultimate board short, and so have you, and the listeners can too, by going to driftline.co, not .com, but .co, driftline.co, and checking out the drifties uh, yourself. I mean, it's a no-brainer. This is the greatest board short. I, I have found my board short for life. Yeah, and we get a uh, 15% discount by using promo code SPIT at driftline.co. So go check them out, and yeah, be psyched on that. And then also we owe some love to NVS fins. I was over at real water sports right next door where we're staying and uh, checking out all their various fin selection and saw a ton of NVS big single fins from NVS that I actually don't own. And I hadn't seen before. Um, (laughs) They've got everything. (laughs) Well, I I have been blessed by some uh, NVS single fins from uh, Jamin and Leif. They've sent me some stuff for my longboards and I've got, NVS fins for my twin fins, for my four fins, for my tri fins, for my single fins. I've got the keel fins. Uh, I've got a drawer. I'm blessed with a drawer full of Naked Vikings uh, surf fins, NVS fins. Do yourself a favor. uh, Get on the program. NVS fins, they're made out of that G10. Is that the right phrase, David? It is, yeah. The G10 technology. They're super sleek, super light, super strong. Uh, (laughs) I They're awesome. NVS fins. Yeah. Unbeatable. Yeah. Surfnvs.com is their website that you could purchase on, but also just purchase from your local retailer. They're stocked at um, a lot of kind of core among the best shops throughout the world, not just in Southern California, but like I said, here in North Carolina, I know they're in uh, stores in the UK, Japan, Israel, kind of all over the world. So NVS fins at surfnvs.com. 
As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, God. Yeah, friggin' God, David. It is Spit. It's the Spit Podcast. We're talking all things surf on July 19th. It's a Wednesday here in beautiful North Carolina. Good to see you, David. We're talking all things foiling today. Yes. Not all things surf. The most interesting thing, perhaps, about this podcast is that we're literally in the same condominium, but... We're in different rooms so that we don't get any echoing. We're still recording remotely, even though we're together for the first time in years. We've come a long way from the truck, from the front of the truck in the Target parking lot. That's right. Um, we've got a baby sleeping in the other room, too. <laughs> like He's liable to wake up during this, and then he'll join the show. Is the poor kid sleeping? Because I'm pretty yeah. loud. Yeah, he is, but whatever. He'll deal with it. Um, I mean, so we've talked about in the previous few weeks that uh, we'd be coming out to North Carolina to real water sports to participate in an intensive foiling learning experience. That is where we are right now. We just completed day four of four. Um, So I think maybe we give a quick kind of overview. Then we go back and detail some of the experience. My overview question for you is just... Were we successful or not? Did we learn how to foil in these four days? I would say that we have learned how to foil. Are we proficient at foiling? That's debatable. Um, Can we stand up on waves and ride the foil? The answer is yes. We have video that proves that we can stand up on waves and ride the foil. For how long we're actually on the foil before we are bucked off is, um, you know, up for debate. I think what some people might want to do is get out a little stopwatch, put a stopwatch. It'll be between half a second and two seconds. Uh, But we've been immersed in all things foil. When we were out there, you said something about riding the Bronco. And I'm like, that is the most apt analogy you're looking for that eight seconds. Like if you could get to the eight second mark, that's success. And it really did feel akin to, actually, I think if you can get to the eight second mark, you'd actually control the Bronco at that point. And then you'd feel like you were stable and in control and know what to do and get, you know, a two minute ride at that point, if you have the leg strength and stamina. Mm -hmm. But that first eight seconds is just getting to your feet having the foil lift, like actually take off and then knowing how to manage it from that point. Uh, and neither of us made it to the eight second mark. I don't think. No, no, there was no eight second completed rides, you know? Um, but look, we're well on our way to being, um, you know, I guess you could call us part of the prone foil community now, you know? Um, I'm sure that there are some specifics to the culture, to the subculture, like certain types of clothes to wear, certain types of cars to drive. Um, 
Yeah, I'm sure there's like a yoga experience on some level. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the accoutrements are to the subculture, but uh, look for me to be adopting them quickly. Let's start with real water sports. Um, we've always referred to real water sports in our discussion about in our discussions that it's a retail shop and their surfboard inventory is kind of unparalleled and they'll ship it to you anywhere in the world. All of that is true, but it's such a small part of their business, not just surfboards, but the retail itself, as significant as it is, it's a small part of their business. We're on this compound. And for those who haven't been to the outer banks of North Carolina, what type of a coast is it, Scott? (laughs) It's a very slim, thin piece of sand. With a sound on one side and the Atlantic Ocean on the other. A depositional coast I learned from you. Oh, that's right. Yes, we have a depositional coastline. It's the opposite of an erosional coastline. There you go. So I'm sitting right here looking out our window. We're in the Waterman's Retreat, which is on the um, real water sports compound, essentially, property. And I'm looking out the window and it's all water, but it's the sound. It's not actually the Atlantic Ocean. It's the sound side. But the ocean is at parts of the the depositional coast, maybe 100 yards away. Like it gets super narrow where there's water on both sides. So we're looking out at the sound and the sound provides great opportunities to learn a variety of water sports. So right now there's... Um, there's kite foilers, there's wind surfers, there's basically everything you would want to do on a windy afternoon out there. And then a few hundred yards away in the Atlantic, there's surfing, and we were learning how to foil in both locations, uh, which will kind of walk people through. But real water sports itself, they have the retail shop, they have this retreat that you could stay at, and they run these camps all day, every day. And so you can stay at the retreat and do the camps for multiple days, or there are people who just live on the island who just come and do a, you know, they just want to learn something for the day and they do a couple hour long lesson or they do a multi-day lesson. Um, And then additionally, they have a restaurant that's a part of the building too. So you don't have to leave the compound. Essentially, you could stay here and play in the water with a variety of different type of sports, all the gear is available to purchase as well, obviously. And it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah, it's fascinating. And it's all inclusive in the sense that you and I are in a gorgeous condominium. We have uh, incredible uh, resources at our fingertips, including a a beautiful brand new kitchen, washer dryer, three bedrooms, two and a half bath. It's insane. It's air conditioned. We're literally looking at the sound Um, To my left, I can look over and see the restaurant that you're talking about. Um, So it's everything. Uh, And as you mentioned, uh, what a great place to come if you want to learn how to whatever, kite, foil, uh, kite foil, windsurf, um, wing, wing foil. um, If you want to learn how to surf, it's a great place. And, And what's so cool about it, as you mentioned, so we've got the sound right here. So the wind's onshore and it's perfect for kiting or sailing or whatever. That means across the street, it's offshore and it's perfect for surfing. So um, the narrowness of this little spit of land is is kind of unique in that, oh, it's onshore right here, 100 yards away, it's offshore. Yeah. And there's a lot of curve in the coast on the island. So there's parts of the island that face, you know, 90 degrees from where we're sitting now. So it picks up a bunch of different swell directions. Um, if somewhere's not great, somewhere else could be head high. So it's an yeah. incredible 
uh, location in so many ways. I've really fallen in love with it. And our guide, who is, um, his name's Joey, who is teaching us how to foil, Trip, our buddy at Real Water Sports, actually met Joey in Namotu. So Joey lived in Namotu or in Fiji. He lived in, he's from the Oahu. So he's lived in incredible places around the world. And now he's living in North, the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and he's enamored by it, you know? So I think that says a lot about how cool this spot is. Yeah. I mean, look, right now, Joey's doing a downwind run of foiling. He's doing a, a foil downwind run. So all of our listeners from Hawaii can relate to that. He's doing a downwinder right here. This morning, he was surfing and foiling. I mean, he can do it all. He's literally like, if if you're a true, like if you're entrenched in the waterman lifestyle, this place has got it all. It's, it's really fascinating. And I had no idea. I was really green to uh, what to expect. And uh, I'm blown away by it as well. So yeah, it's a cool place. Yeah, I totally am. And I saw real in one of their little, um, on their window, like a little decal poster. It said that they, Outside Magazine rated them in the top 10 adventure sport camps in the world. And I was like, I get it. That makes sense. I don't know many places in the world that offer all that this does. And then the way that they execute it is so world-class. Like the um, Joey as our guide, he's unbelievable. You know, like he's so good. And then customer service when it came to the retail shop, the restaurant, all of it was like fantastic, top-notch. So I'm thrilled. Yeah, I'm super stoked. And and thanks to Trip and the all the crew at Real Water Sports, everyone's gone out of their way to be authentically and sincerely kind and looking out for our best interest. And it's been um, prime top shelf customer service. Joey's wife babysat my kid because we needed and we didn't have childcare one afternoon. And she's like, I've got two kids. What's one more? And so she literally babysat my kids. So I think that says all, all that needs to be said. Um, but let's talk. You know, at so, five o'clock, I have an appointment at five o'clock to meet Trip at the retail thing to go through all the surfboards. So I'm going to be. You should you join going in the glory hole. Uh, I believe we are. He said, "I go. Can I go into the glory hole?" And he goes, "You can't go in there without me." It's kind of like you can't go into you know the chocolate factory without Willy Wonka. You know what I mean? <laughs> or you might drown in the chocolate river. So uh, I'm going into the glory hole. You need to come with. We have a five o'clock appointment uh, at the glory hole. Okay. He, Which is the I, huge compound of surfboards, by the way. I would not be surprised if, yeah, thanks for clarifying. I would not be surprised if Trip made a surfboard purchase out of his own retail stash today. Well, don't be surprised if I do. I have my eyes on a Tollhurst Harley Ingleby uh, longboard. Um, okay. So when it comes to foiling, the way that they structured this thing was learn on an e-foil, an electric foil in the sound, then level up to a towing behind a jet ski foil. And then once you guys are competent at those, then we'll take you out into the ocean and you can try to surf foil, which I can't imagine learning any other way. Like I can't imagine just trying to surf foil without those baby steps that we had. Yeah. You know, they've done this before and they're like, look, let's get you on the e-foil. The e-foil was interesting, right? So obviously you have like this little game controller, throttle in your hand and um, they had me and you they had us get to our knees and then get to one foot forward 
and then get the throttle, get up to speed and then get to your feet. And look, frankly, you know, I took my lumps out there. I, I was eating it um, until eventually, you know, we kind of got it. You caught on really fast. David was up and going and, and I was sort of like um, not quite as quick to adapt, but um, you know, eventually both of us got to a place where we were foiling with the throttle in our hand on the e-foil all of Mark Zuckerberg, you know, we were looking like, <laughs> we were looking like meta people, you know, and I forgot um, about that. And then, yeah, it was good. And then, and then the next step was Joey said, okay, look, let's tow behind the jet ski. Let's get you up on the foil using uh, a rope and some jet ski power. And we did that. And that was actually, I really took a major beating there. And, um, and, but that's what is needed. You have to put in, you have to take your lumps like this, is not, uh, uh, you know, it's aspirational, but it's, it's also, um, unless you're willing to commit, it's, it's, it's going to, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just, it's, it's, it's a narrow little pinhole that you got to commit to finding. Yeah. So more on the e-foiling, we go out in, into the sound to do it. And ideally you want, you know, placid conditions if there's wind, it, it creates a little bit of chop for kind of the takeoff. Once you're up and riding, the chop is insignificant on the foil. But another cool thing about this sound is that we were out there, I'd say a hundred yards off of the land and it was still waist high. So you could, you can kind of stand next to the foil to get, you know, whatever comfortable or whatever, climb up onto it. You lay down in prone position and you start to give it some throttle. So you're moving, but you're not up on the on the foil yet you're moving then you get onto your knees one another baby step and then continue obviously with the same momentum and then eventually get to your feet and then you can kind of throttle it and get it to take off so learning with getting comfortable with um, managing the speed and that's really what you want with foiling regardless of what type you're doing is steady speed the steady speed and and going slow like riding a bicycle is actually harder then going fast. So you want to get like that steady speed going and the foil, the e-foil allows you to have controllable steady speed the, whole, the entire time. And so that's what's super duper helpful. So I'll recommend to anybody who wants to learn foiling, whether or not they're coming to a, you know, real water sports or a similar camp, the e-foil is key. I mean, I would, I would not do it any other way, basically. Yeah. Uh, we we literally had no idea uh, what we're getting into, and the efoil gives you a concept of okay, what this is what I'm getting into. Okay, this feeling of being up, and um, without that, it it would have been very difficult to just start in the surf and not have some sense of understanding. Yeah, and so that's what's so different about it, though, is once you are up, once the thing takes off, which is kind of the best way to describe it. That foil really lifts you you're three feet above the water. Um, it's a different feeling than anything else. You know, it's a very different feeling than surfing. And it's actually kind of scary. Like I, when I'm getting to my feet and going through those first few steps, I was looking down and watching it take off was disorienting and scary and inevitably you fall. And so one of the things Joey told us was at that point, don't look down anymore, just look ahead. And I found that to be really, really helpful and the movements that uh, I was feeling in that position, it wasn't heel to toe. Like when you're surfing, you're kind of making adjustments heel to toe. 
in this, it was more seesaw. Your adjustments are um, front foot to back foot. And if you, and specifically, you want to be heavy, heavy front foot. The foil, the nature of it is to do a wheelie. And so you're not only pushing on your front foot, you're actually leaning your front shoulder down. And I even had like my arm weighted on my front knee just for comfort to kind of hold that front foot down. But then, you know, you'd come off of a little lull of a swell or something like that. And in that moment, you want to lean back just slightly. So it's kind of subtle adjustments from front foot to back foot. But that is what you're doing more than heel to toe like you'd be surfing. You would be more surfing. Yeah, no, you absolutely nailed it. It's this thing, this foiling, this prone foiling, surf foiling, it has nothing to do with burying your rail, which as David and I understand is, you know, we basically had 45 years of surfing that we had to mentally overcome. Because as you say, it is such a subtle little thing. Basically, you want to be right, you want your weight right over the board. You don't want to be tipping and of exactly. course, you and I are like, oh, we're up and riding. Guess what? Let's do a bottom turn, lean over, fall over. You got to be on top of it, sort of vertical. And it, as you mentioned, super subtle, little changes in weight. So it's really kind of about being zen-like and just not um, being stiff. You know, you kind of got to be loosey-goosey and look straight ahead, as you mentioned. And, you know, those are really, you know, that's about all I can say because I'm certainly not an expert, but this is what my experience is. Well, on the e-foil is when I started to learn how to turn. And so the way that you do that is just by essentially turning your hips, you know, because you're not using your heel to toe thing at all. So you just kind of turn your hips in the direction that you want to go. And eventually it starts, it's like a boat. It takes a minute or two to react and then it does make that arc for you. So I feel like I had... um, unearned, I don't know, um, hubris with my success on the e-foil so that when we got out into the ocean, I kind of thought like, oh, this feels familiar. Like I know how to kind of get the thing up and riding and I know how to catch a wave. So I just need to apply those two things. But once we got off on the surf foils in the ocean, trying to catch waves, wow. I was humbled very, very quickly. Yeah. We're talking, um, 15, 20 waves in a row where I just went head over heels or I was bucked off of the Bronco, so to speak. And, um, it just took, it took us, it took you and I time to realize, um, you know, first kind of hold on to the rails of the board for a little bit longer and then slowly get up and keep the weight forward and just don't make any sudden movements. <laughs> you know, it was really about that. Um, were you positioning to catch waves in the same way you would on a surfboard? More or less. Yeah. I mean, Joey told us to kind of try to catch the shoulders. It wasn't a time for us to be taking off in critical parts of the wave, but yeah, I, everything about catching the wave was very similar to surfing, which was, which was great. Cause you and I have sort of a leg up because um, we know how to catch waves. Um, but yeah, so it was very similar to, to surfing in that regard. And it was once we got up to our feet where, it was real temperamental. Yeah. I, after four days, the other thing that we should be stating is it is so exhausting. And so, uh, coming off of day one, I didn't really feel like I got enough recovery in before day two started. So when day two started, I, 
maybe maybe more day two to day three is when I felt the most exhausted. But when day the morning starts, it's not as if you're like super fresh and amped up and raring to go. You're carrying all of the injuries from yesterday and then also the exhaustion from yesterday. And so I feel like maybe if I had a day in between of full and complete rest, then I would actually learn a lot quicker that next day. It was just, it would just mean that you need eight days to get a four day foiling experience in basically. Yeah. You know, it's like any exercise when you get to be older, it's like, there's, there's some management, right? There's, there's some stretching beforehand. There might be uh, an Aleve or an Advil regimen involved, you know, um, so there, there's management, you know, it's just like anything. Like if I was to ride the Peloton or to go play basketball or to go surfing in Indonesia, you know, there's stretching that needs to take place. There's, like I said, there's just, you know, it, and so you're right. We're, we're pretty beat up quite frankly. And yeah, um, even if you go surfing in Indonesia though, those are all muscles that you're used to using. Yeah. And so, yeah, they'll be more tired than they would be without it. But this was brand new to me. Like this was very leg intensive and especially the e-foiling where we were going, you know, for a minute or two at a time, my legs were so toast at the end of that. I really needed to like sit and rest for a minute before I tried it again. Yeah. I mean, I haven't used the wipeout muscles in a number of years and those wipeout muscles are sore. I was getting smacked on my back and on the back of my head and on my arms. My whole right side is beat up. It's so gnarly how exhausting wiping out is, which I've forgotten about. I do wipe out when I'm surfing, but you know, I when I learned how to surf, I'm sure I wiped out all the time, and that was 30 years ago, so I've forgotten about it. And I was 12 years old, so I probably wasn't as exhausted as I would be now. But I feel like I've learned through this experience that I only have 10 wipeouts a day in me in terms of energy. Like at a, at once I've gotten 10 wipeouts in, it's all downhill from here. I am not going to be progressing anymore. And I got more than 10 wipeouts in every day out here. And and in addition to that, there's just this, there's these small little things that you don't think about, but you know, like you're dealing with this smaller surfboard um, that has this massive foil off the bottom that, you know, we're, we're used to, you know, four inch fins or whatever. And um, so carrying this thing down the beach is awkward and different and new. Um, paddling this thing, even just through entering the ocean into the shore break, it's like, oh, you know, there's now thankfully Joey guided us through all that. But yeah, when you're paddling out, your foils hitting sand, you're not sure if you can duck dive it, you know. Um, so there's a lot of other small little things that give you a sense of, um, you know, just a little bit of disease, if you will, because you're just not used to it. It's all new. The whole thing's new, which again, when we went into this, we were like, it's going to be kind of cool because we're going to be like, um, it's going to be like when we first began surfing when we were 12 years old. Yeah. And that does make it a lot of fun to be perfectly honest. There's not a lot of things I do in my forties that are brand new and this challenging and physically demanding and all of that. And it makes, I think it keeps you young, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, a quite an exciting experience. Well, the talking about the wipeouts, um, once we were surf foiling, I kind of was doing the same wipeout all the time, which is 
before I learned to take off sideways going down the line, I was taking off like I would on a surfboard, which is straight towards the beach. And I'd get catch the wave and uh, get to my feet. And then the momentum of what would be the drop or kind of where you would aim for a bottom turn, that's when the momentum of that energy lifts the foil or lifts the board up into the takeoff position. So I'm now three feet up in the air. And that's when I would eat crap. I would basically get up into that position, but not be able to control that new burst of energy. And so then I would go forward and kind of go over the handlebars and inevitably slam on my left side. I'm regular foot. So I would slam on this left side. So this left lower back is just, I haven't looked at it in the mirror, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is black and blue because I slammed in that exact position from three feet up. 20 times over the course of two or three days. And I, I could, it's tender right now. Just touching it is tender, you know? Yeah. We're, we're tenderized. Our egos have been tenderized. Our bodies have been tenderized. There's a lot that's been tenderized and there's, there's a certain amount of um, humility through humiliation, which has, um, which is, which is part of the process. For sure. Um, they also give us helmets, which I highly recommend wearing. I feel yeah. like that gave me a certain amount of uh, confidence or just safety that I felt. And not only like I'm not, I mean, I certainly was worried about the foil hitting me and it did hit me a couple of times. Um, but I was, I wiped out once where I fell back and my head smacked against the water like a skateboard slam. You know, when you see people hit their uh, head on the concrete and it felt disorienting. And I was like, man, if I wasn't wearing the helmet right now, I think that would have been like, I mean, I don't know if I would have got knocked out or not, but I definitely would have got dazed by that. So, cause you're, the other thing is not only are you three feet out of the water, but you're moving fast. These things fly. And so yeah. falling at that greater rate of speed is also sketchy. I mean, this, this thing, we've all seen this, the, the video edits on Instagram or wherever you may have seen them, perhaps on YouTube of guys just absolutely flying. And then there is a, 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 a as I'm understanding it, there's a, a similarity to flying or Joey mentioned, it's like the best day of powder skiing ever, you know, where you're kind of floating on pillows and, and Joey was just absolutely ripping. And we've seen the Instagrams of guys absolutely ripping. And that's what draws all of us to this. And I highly recommend if you're as excited about what I see the experts doing as uh, David and I are, you know, you need to consider this. This is a great option for crowded small days where we live, David, in Southern California. This opens up a whole arena of surf spots because you're you're riding the energy underneath the wave. You're not riding the wave size. You know what I mean? So you can get tons of energy from a two or three foot wave and be riding that energy as opposed to being on top of that energy. You're now tapping into all those molecules which are spinning underneath the wave. So what a great option for small days that are crowded. Now you can go to, uh, you know, I think of like the spots just north of Torrey Pines, like 4th Street, 5th Street, 6th Street in Del Mar. Those seem like spots where you'd be by yourself on you know, two to three foot days, no one around, and you're just connecting the dots, flying around, ripping and shredding. And um, 
hopefully one day soon, uh, you and I'll get to that place, you know, but we were inspired by Joey doing it. And I'm inspired by what I see. I know my friend Kyle Knox does it a lot and he rips and he's been giving me some, some inspiration as well. Yeah. I think it's unrealistic to think that we would have gotten to that point of, uh, ability in four days but I don't think it's that far off. And from what everybody's told us, it, it just kind of clicks at a certain point, you kind of get a ride that everything clicks and then you can go out there and do it again. I I truly feel like we're right there, David. I feel like we're right there. Like I, I, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I feel like we're so close that if we don't continue this journey, we won't have, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you're about to get there, you know, like don't stop now. That's kind of what's in my heart. Yeah. The last ride that Scott got today, I was on the beach and he got one that he was fully in control the whole time and even got a couple little pumps in. Like when you see, Kai Lenny kick off the back of a wave and he has to pump out to the next line of swell. That exact pumping is what Scott did. So starting to kind of, um, generate your own power essentially. Yeah. And it's, I was talking to my wife about this and, and if you're a guitar player, you understand this and there's probably many other sports and, and activities that are similar to this, but there's moments when you learn to play guitar where, you know, you can noodle and, and, and plug around for, months and one day something clicks and all of a sudden you've had a groundbreaking shift forward and it opens up a whole new level of what the guitar neck can do for you and what you can do with the guitar neck and and so there's these little moments of breakthrough and i think that we've had i i know that we've had moments of breakthrough each and every day yeah and that's that's heartening to know that there's been breakthrough moments that it wasn't just stagnation the same place the whole time yeah. You know, there's been um, breakthroughs. And so I feel like the breakthroughs need to continue. Yeah. And along those lines of breakthroughs and learning, I felt honestly, almost every single wave I learned something on and yeah. I, I knew what I was doing wrong and I was able to look at you and what you were doing and then look at Joey and what he was doing and then take cues from that and remember the things that Joey had told me previously and apply them every step of the way. And so that was absolutely encouraging. But then the other thing is like, look, it's the ocean. And today's session, our final day, I was cooking it on my positioning in the lineup, you know, just like kind of a basic thing that in surfing, sometimes you're just out of sorts. And so I felt like I didn't quite get the waves that I wanted to today. I felt like my, my energy level was higher. My ability level was a little bit higher, but then I just kind of was out of sorts. And so you run into little stumbling blocks like that, but I agree with you. I feel encouraged to continue on and like, it would be easy when you're doing something like this, especially if it wasn't an intensive camp to feel very discouraged after inexperience and just not pursue it anymore. But after four days of commitment, I feel like, yeah, we, we are right there near the unlock. There's no doubt. And there, and so that means that we have to continue when we get to Southern California, you know, like <laughs> luckily the water's warm at summertime, the waves are small. There's opportunities, I think, for, for this to occur. And it's just going to be a matter of following through with, um, 
you know, getting the equipment that's needed and so forth and so on. And, and frankly, you know, calling up my buddies that do it. I have a couple of buddies. Um, I know Jeff Baldwin does it. Um, I, I mentioned Kyle Knox. I've got some friends that will do it that I need to hook up with and go, hey, can I bum along with you and, you know, show me the ropes, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, you, you, know what? you I were mentioning my dog. I hear my dog barking. So let All me right, go for it. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're back. Um, yeah. You were talking about getting gear and I'm, you and maybe even Joey were talking about how radically gear has improved and that you had a friend who was like really struggling and then he switched up his gear and he just figured out how to do it immediately. And so the gear was really holding him back. And, um, that's where real water sports comes in. I mean, their team is like expert, obviously expert level at it, but also super knowledgeable about all of those things and, uh, dialed into all of it. So, rely on them. If anybody out here listening is interested in getting into it, rely on customer service of real water sports to guide you into what you need. Yeah. Look, frankly, I'm hoping to get some of these um, hard goods foil companies into the boardroom show in October. I know real water sports uses, um, I believe it's Armstrong um, foils and mass and, and boards and, um, I think Ride Engine was the board that I was on. And of course, I think North, you know, from North Sales, I believe they have a whole foil category, foil department. Uh, maybe I can get one of those. I think that it would be important for one of the foil hard goods companies to have representation at the boardroom show because there's going to be and continues to be as this sport evolves, there's going to be con uh, you know, a continuation of a, a need to service guys like you and me who have questions about it or are semi-interested in it, not sure if we can do it or want to do it, but let's, you know, like, I mean, look, we're gearheads, we're gear geeks, you know? Um, so I'm hoping to get some of that at the boardroom show. I agree. And the more, the older I get, the more, I, uh, the less myopic I've become about surfing. 
when I first got into surfing, it was only riding what Kelly Slater was riding and trying to do things exactly that way and like making fun of longboarders essentially. And I'm not even going to talk about bodyboarding. That's so cheesy. And now it's like, wow, I really understand how stupid I was. And, um, I want to embrace it all, you know, like not only, yeah, uh, foil boarding, but wakeboarding too should be at the boardroom show, you know, like all types of boards. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, hand planes. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally. And, and in fact, we actually have, we have had foil companies at the show in, in yeah. a couple shows ago. And, um, I'm gonna I remember the Hurley, the Hurley brothers yeah. were there representing their foiling thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, um, I'm sure I'll be able to get somebody. I'll reach out to Kyle Knox and see if we can't get one of those foil companies to show up and, and display their wares and answer questions. Cause people are, it's a very intriguing thing. I mean, this concept of flying, using wave energy to fly around the ocean, like you said, I mean, we're talking speeds way faster than on a surfboard. And so, uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. And my ultimate goal with it would be to do what we saw Joey doing, which is he would take off on a crap wave. Like I was like, man, why is he even going for that little thing? And all that it was do, the only purpose of it was for him to get to his feet because he would then pump off of that crappy wave and scoot right past me, blow past me, and then link up with the next set wave that was coming. And he would like the, and the lines he was doing, they were like snowboard turns, like big, long arcing turns, big down carves. He would then, and then kick out of that one and go get another one. And then he would do an air on an end section even. So it's like, man, connecting five waves in a row is incredible. Like that's on, it's just different. It's yeah. different than surfing entirely. Yeah. I mean, like you said, he basically rode five set waves by taking off one time on a crappy wave. Yeah. And going super fast and ripping and doing so. Yeah. I mean, it, we've all seen this stuff on Instagram. Um, I don't even know who to follow on Instagram, but I get some of the stuff comes into my feed and it's amazing. There's some guys, I think in Australia, there's a guy that absolutely killed. There's so many guys that rip at it and it's just, it's inspiring to see him do it. I'm totally in. Um, I've gotten the bug. Uh, question as a wrap up question is just how hard was it? It's hard. It's super hard to learn how to do it. Like, like I said, like you need to understand that you need to be committed, um, and, and stay committed. You're not going to learn how to foil in one day. You're not going to learn how to foil, uh, to a level of competence that we're talking about in four days, or at least you and I haven't, but we've made little strides. We've made definite breakthroughs. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm looking for little breakthroughs. I was realistic in this pursuit that this, you know, I wasn't going to come guns blazing. I'm 58, you're 40 something. I mean, you know, um, but, but we've made these breakthroughs and um, I'm looking forward to continuing the pursuit. Yeah, I am too. Um, The other thing I was going to ask you is how close did you come to significant injury? Like we see those horror videos of DJ Khaled falling on the foil itself. Did you have any near misses? I think I did have one or two near misses, you know, where I was like, like when I was falling, I was like, oh, this could end bad. (laughs) And it didn't. But um, did you fall on the foil? 
No, I never fell on the foil, but I thought I was going to fall on the foil. I thought that the, the you know, the foil was going to get me. Yeah. I have little nicks all over my legs from just me retrieving the board from the surf line and attempting to get back up on it. Not from the rear of the board, but from the side of the board. You can't get up on the board from the side. You have to always get up with the board in front of you and, and pull the board uh, uh, onto your belly. Um, if you try to get up, well, when I tried to get up from the side, I, invariably I hit my leg on the foil and I've got little, I've got all sorts of little dings and nicks and gashes. You know what I mean? I need to use some sort of like, some sort of feminine product on my leg to heal up, you know, <laughs> what that is. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That's unisex. Neosporin. That's what I need. Um, yeah, there was one wipeout that you had on day one with the e-foil where you fell on your heel side. You're like, you fell backwards and the thing fell the exact wrong way basically. And so it looked like you landed on the foil and I let out a audible gasp. I was like, <gasps> and, um, you came up and I was like waiting for you to react in a way and you didn't. And we're like, Oh good. He's okay. But the other thing was on the e-foil, we were wearing thick, um, life vests. And so that is a protection as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there was close calls that I didn't even notice, but um, I think that's part of the deal. There's definitely risk of injury, just like any activity you get in that has sharp objects. Yeah. Well, the risk that I've seen is that uh, people do them in a crowded lineup. And so we did not. And that's another thing that we should state about the service here at Real Water Sports is that we loaded up in their truck. I mean, Joey loaded everything for us in their truck and has a super vast knowledge of all the surf spots around and which spots would be ideal for foiling. And so we would just go check, you know, three to five spots, depending on what the tide and wind was doing until we found the one that was not only empty, but perfect for foiling, basically soft waves. Yeah. Perfect for learning how to foil for sure. Yeah. 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 So that's without like we wouldn't have been able to do it without him essentially or a similar service. So yeah, yeah, cool. Well, anything else that we need to discuss on foiling before we move on to J Bay? Um, no, I think we did a good job of explaining our experience here. Good, and we'll continue to uh, detail it as we continue to learn back home for sure. But. Uh, the last two days, J-Bay ran. And so it's the middle of the night for us when it runs. So you and I wake up in the morning and we kind of catch the last few heats and maybe a little bit of a recap. And um, it's been a topic topic of conversation between you, myself, and Joey the last couple of days. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I want to give a big shout out to Lakey Peterson, believe it or not. I mean, I know she's, I don't, I'm sure she's won some CT events before, but she always seems to me to be one who, struggles to kind of finalize the big moment and take the victory. And in her semifinal heat, she had a 7.23 with like five minutes left. She only needed a 2.33 and she was struggling. She took off on a wave, didn't get the 2.33. There's a minute left and you're like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Lakey's not going to live up to the moment. And smartly or luckily, she picked up another wave kind of further down into the bay and did two, three turns connected and got the score she needed to get. And then, 
uh, went on to win the final. So congratulations to Lakey Peterson. I, I just, I've always rooting for her and I'm always sort of semi let down as yeah. a fan of hers, you know, and, um, and I'm pretty stoked that she got the victory. And then tell me about the men's side. Well, I'll comment on Lakey too, because I feel similarly to you. She's a California girl. I like her, um, her fundamentals and her approach is super respectable. I think she rips. She was one of the first on the female CT side to be doing airs, you know, and like successfully landing airs in competition. But I've always in my mind likened her to Chloe Andino where tons like fundamentally unbelievably sound and tons of expectation and potential and then not quite delivering on the potential. You know, Chloe still hasn't won an event. And yeah, I don't remember Lakey having won a CT event before. I know she's won the US Open. I don't know if that was a CT event when she won it. Um, but at any rate, I think her problem is that she comes up against, even if she makes the final, she comes up against Carissa Moore, inevitably. And Carissa's got her number. Or Stephanie Gilmore, you know, another world champ. So to see her come up against Carissa Moore, who's traditionally had her number and is kind of a more complete surfer in a lot of ways. And Absolutely. finally, finally um, unlock that is probably a huge moment for Lakey. And hopefully we can see her deliver on this potential that we always kind of anticipated that she had um, and again and in the future and be, be a real title threat too. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I joked with you and Joey in the truck. I'm like, it's almost like she needs an ayahuasca episode. Like she needs to go, you know, her and Chloe need to go to wherever and have an ayahuasca ceremony or something because there does seem to be a mental block with them. Like we know the talents there, yeah. you know, and um, sometimes something like this, a victory can unlock that stuff for a champion, you know, like, okay, you know, maiden victory, we think. Uh, granted, US Open is you know, even if it's not quote unquote a CT, it's a pretty damn big win. Um, so um, hopefully this does kickstart her, her career and her move towards um, a potential world championship. Yeah. And then on the men's side, Felipe Toledo won the event again, uh, this time against Ethan Ewing, who won the event last year. And um, I mean, Felipe looked oh, freaking Michael. crazy. Felipe was so on point and so... He's like a, he's like one of those like remote control surfers, you know, you just get out there and he just goes bang, 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 bang. He's pretty unstoppable. And uh, granted, Ethan didn't have a great heat. Some of the waves didn't really work out for him and he fell on occasion. But um, regardless, I think Felipe was going to win this heat based on the surfing that Felipe was doing. It was, it was, it was professional surfing you know what i mean it was he looked like like if your grandmother walked in and she'd go oh that guy must be a professional at what he does you know um granted there, you know there's always with felipe there's always um i mean you could you could sort of micro or be overly critical and go oh maybe his style's not the you know maybe it's a little mechanical but regardless um he he was a professional surfer and he won a professional surfing contest in a professional manner and there's no doubting that and in pumping surf, which we haven't discussed yet, is kind of the highlight of the last couple of days. But well, we the used final to... was a little off. I mean, I hate to nitpick, but you know, yeah, yesterday was pumping. Today, I mean, and it was contestable and rideable, and it wasn't bad. In fact, it was good. 
but it wasn't pumping for for today relative to the day before. Well, one thing that we've said about Felipe in the past is he is the world's undoubtedly like the world's best surfer in uh, head high rights or smaller, especially smaller. And now I think we can kind of expand that definition to bigger than head high rights as well. Like he's looking really, really hard to beat at places like J Bay, Margaret River even. And, you know, I'll throw John John into that mix. Once the waves get well over a uh, head high, John John has a power, a level of power that he can unlock that Felipe, Felipe's got power now too. But in truly like open ocean swell, John John has that, that Felipe doesn't. But in almost any other circumstance, right-handers, Felipe's the guy. Well, there's this one thing about pro surfing that's interesting because if I said, hey, um, how would you like to model your own surfing? Or if your son was to become a surfer, how would you want his surfing to be modeled? And you and I can easily go, well, I'd like him to surf like John John, or that'd be fine if he surfed like Ethan Ewing, or it'd be great if he surfed like Joel Parkinson or Mick Fanning. But it's rare that we, or Gabe, I'd love him to surf like Gabe Medina. I think Gabe's, or Idolo, I think that's exciting. I think that there's some personality there. And Felipe's name's not one that comes to my mind or to my lips when I'm like, this is who I would like to emulate from a style standpoint, you know, there's no, I don't know how to describe it, but there's no, um, there's no dance. It looks a little, um, formulaic and, um, I don't know the, the dance, the pizzazz, the Barishnikov is missing from it. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of Idolo, Huge story is him. Uh, do you know what the injury is yet? I don't know what the injury is yet. No. Yeah, we we've been a little bit removed. We've been so busy, occupied with the foiling thing that we haven't really investigated fully. But we saw the clip, anyways, of Italo coming off of a floater at J Bay during a heat backside, and fully compressing on his front foot or front knee, and collapsing into the board. Uh, and he sustained an injury in that moment and was immediately brought in and immediately taken to the hospital. So we don't know if it's an e- a knee injury, uh, ACL, ankle, what it exactly is, but it looked pretty horrific, actually. And so hopefully he'll recover quickly. But the real question mark is, um, could this be a career ender? Well, you know, I think it depends on the injury. Um but understanding as we do the way that Ilo surfs, his whole trip is is in the air. It's just radical high speed, as high as I can get, boosting massive airs. And um, we've seen injuries like Mick Fanning had a horrible injury to his knee. I think I, I think he tore like three different ligaments. the hamstring off the bone. Yeah, horrible, just horrible. And um, and of course, John John has had injuries. But their game, while there is tons of air involved in John John's game, not so much McFanning, they're, you know, they're more known as the big, powerful, gaffing, down-carved hook. Um, and so they seem to be able, obviously, they both came back and won world titles after injury. And Idolo's game is so in the air, and there's so much landing in the dead flats, where there's so much potential for re-injury 
not to mention the mental game that he's going to have to go through every time he goes into the air. So I think there's, I think the question is his career over while it's premature to say that, I think it's something that can certainly be bandied about on a podcast such as this based on, on that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And what's interesting is that for, for so many years, we've actually pointed to potential injury. We're like, man, the way that Idolo surfs, he's going to get injured at some point, you know? And I think we said that up until a year or two ago, because I can't believe how long he had gone without being injured. We kind of just gave up mentioning it because he just seems kind of, I don't know, un, un, impenetrable. Yeah. yeah. And then it finally caught up with him. So I think, I mean, he was, he's done high risk surfing for a very long time. And, um, even the best well, look, get him, taken. Him being injured is, is, uh, is a bummer for professional surfing. It's a bummer for the surfing culture in general. This guy provides so much, uh, entertainment and he, he's a spark plug and, I don't know how long he's going to be out, but we're going to miss him. And um, I hope he comes back stronger than ever. Well, the other talking point there is that uh, he was in the top five. And so now he is, or this potentially could leave room open uh, for somebody else who would otherwise be outside of the top five to then slip in. Yeah, I've got him at number 12 right now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. The new top five is Felipe, Ethan, and Griffin, who have secured their place within the finals, which means they can just mail it in at Chopu, which that is a whole nother topic, which is lame. And then fourth is Jao and Yago Dora, who can still be supplanted by, you know, a number of guys, Gabe, John, John, Jack Robinson, um, Leo. These these guys are, are in the running to, you know, take over and get put into those fourth and fifth spots in the, in the uh, top five, but make it, let's make it clear. I don't know if those five spots are, are, have been numbered correctly. Like somebody could still dominate Chopu, say Ethan Ewing and move from number three to number one. But we know that those three guys have secured spots at lowers, meaning um, again, Ethan, Felipe and Griffin. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that, Gabriel Medina and John John are outside of the top five. Those are two names you would expect to be inside throughout the entire year. So in, I mean, Chopu is a, going to be a super exciting event seeing people vie for that position. Jack Robinson is in eighth. He's somebody who could dominate at Chopes. So um, yeah, it'll be an exciting event for sure. You know, I, when I look at these standings, I say to myself, if there wasn't a finals day and this actually came down to the last two events to determine the champion, you know, you're thinking to yourself, okay, John, John, Jack Robinson at Chopu with a win gets them to 43. Felipe has 55,000 points. He's probably would have already, you, you know, he probably only needs to get through the first round at Chopu if it was the old way, mm-hmm. but uh, understanding there was also lowers still. So there's 20,000 points up for grabs, basically, if we did it the old way. Um, could John John win Chopu and lowers and, and skyrocket? Yeah. I mean, there's, that's, what's neat about that old way is that, you know, it doesn't, well, I mean, I guess I look, I'm poo-pooing the low, the finals day at lowers. It feels like it's a foregone thing. One, um, Final talking point, because I know you've got to be some, you've got an appointment at five o'clock, was that 
there was a very controversial heat that John John Florence lost in a buzzer beater moment to Connor O'Leary. And so much of the internet and the viewers feel as though the judges were wrong by giving Connor the score that he needed. And uh, so that is a point that we can discuss, but was kind of interesting is that coming out of that, we saw a lot of pros actually chiming in and speaking out, uh, which we had not seen for a while. It feels like the professionals had kept the professional surfers had kept their opinions to themselves about missteps that you and I were identifying in the WSL's decision-making processes and their judging. And on a couple of, on like the crappy day that they ran the women's Lakey Peterson posted on her Instagram that she does not think that they should have run. Um, there was a couple of different people commenting about the event throughout the event. And then in the comments on the Connor O'Leary win, uh, Nathan Florence posted John John's brother posted Hey, maybe you guys uh, will consider. Maybe we'll consider starting a slab tour now, and John John will join me on that. And then John John chimed in, and he was like, "Yeah, I would be totally up for that." So, kind of interesting to see all of that commentary after the fact. Well, a couple, of, maybe three or four episodes ago, you and I were discussing. Um, <clears throat> I think the issue with the judging when Gabe was really pissed off, and. And I said, you know, David, you and I both know what needs to happen on each and every one of these waves is we need split screen, side by side explanation. And this is a great example of that. I want to see split screen, John John's last wave versus um, Conor O'Leary's last wave. And frankly, John John's 9.23 or whatever versus uh, this 8.7. I think he got her an 8.6. That Connor O'Leary got. John John's wave was far and away more than half a point. You know, it was so anyway. That's my takeaway from this. Another uh problem, Connor O'Leary should not have advanced out of that heat. And for proof, let's see the split screen with a judge's explanation as we go through the split screen. And that the fact that we're not getting this transparency from the WSL, it's it just it's a very, very sour taste in everyone's mouth. Yeah. And I told you, I mean, you first told me, you're like, yeah, even Connor O'Leary seems surprised that he got the score. And somebody on Instagram was like, everybody in the world, other than the judges, including Connor himself, were surprised that he got the score on that wave. And then I told you, I go, yeah, but it doesn't seem like the fix is in because if the WSL was writing, you know, a script, let's say, picking winners, they would pick John John. John John is their marquee player. They would push John John through heats. And so the fact that they picked Connor, I think is a reflection of incompetence more than it is any nefarious intention. And so that leads me to Peter King's comment. Peter King said, WSL, you have so many problems. This tour is fumbling so hard. Wrong results matter. Too bad we can't vote the clowns off the island. Will somebody make a better product soon or will the WSL just end? And so I think that kind of gets right to the heart of it. Yeah, and not to take away from Connor or any of the Goofy Foots. By the way, I think the Goofy Foots just lit it up in this event. Ryan Callanan, uh, Connor O'Leary, there was another Goofy Foot that, well, Gabe. Uh, those three goofy foots were absolutely tearing the bags out of uh, early round heats all the way up into the semifinals. So 
the goofy foots looked very solid. Um, so again, I'm not taking away from Connor surfed great, you know, and he's yeah. a great surfer, but it just wasn't his, the score, he was overscored. He was simply overscored and it was very, very clear. Yeah. All right. Well, great show. I know you have to go. I do want to mention, by the way, Trees Wax. We've been advertising um, how much we love Trees Wax, non-petroleum surf wax made from rocks and trees. It's as simple as that. I don't know why you would uh, use anything else at this point. It's functional and technical as good as any other wax. It's just non-petroleum. So go and check them out at treeswax.com or get them from retailers. And so I'm going to call out three retailers today. Mollusk San Francisco carries it. Chapter 11 in Ventura, Dane Reynolds shop. Chapter 11 in Ventura has it. And then Bird Rock also carries trees wax. So there's a few up and down the coast here in Cal- or in California. Well, look, we what you get is performance made by a guy who's passionate about protecting the planet, which, oh, by the way, everyone who enters the ocean should be that way. And don't mean to you know be pointing fingers. Um, I'm sure that on some level I've been a hypocrite in that regard. But um, when you get a, a, a performance-based surf wax that's good for the planet, it's a no-brainer. Trees wax is that. Yeah, good call. Right on. Well, hey, great week together. Check it out. Adios and Aloha t-shirt. I love it. Until next time, David. Adios and Aloha. Yeah.